When I first met Andy, uh, met Andy Marshall, the first time I met him, he broke my rib. <laughs> really? Yeah. True story. Hi, this is Mick Tully, and you're listening to Mixed Martial Arts. We're going to have to take his BJJ skills out of the equation here because his ninja skills are unbelievable. <laughs> He's the best kept secret, in, definitely in British BJJ, but I think in martial arts as well. It's the one and only rubber bandido himself, yeah, Chris me. Hearn. Thanks for thanks for having me on. There's a, some really cool stuff here, and I, don't, I hope Chris doesn't mind. But we've got two ultra sounds. Got a new adventure yeah. coming up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When's that? Fourteenth of August. Wow. August. So really soon. <laughs> yeah. Trust <laughs> a lot sooner than it'll come out a lot sooner than it'll do. so we're going to start at the beginning so where did you start in martial arts where did I start um, I must have been about seven doing Shotokan Karate right yeah at Church Hall and where was this uh, this was in Mill Hill I train in Mill Hill now obviously I'm part of Mill Hill BJJ um, and that's where I grew up that's where I spent most of my life you know around Mill Hill um, so I, when I was about six five man maybe six seven started Shotokan Karate um, was at the church that I used to go to and my mum used to go to uh, or my mum still goes to and I got on really well with it and um, what happened I, I remember I was sort of sparring with some, one of the kids one day and blocked a kick the way you're supposed to block a kick in karate the I old broke, Damparai, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah broke my arm <laughs> yeah I, t- I tell you what I, I, I've, I'm a big believer in what especially in karate I think karate is great if you've got weaponry if it's the kabuto yeah because that roof you know that roof block that Joe Nookie block yeah if you've got a tomfa there then it'll yeah, stop anything yeah fair enough fair yeah. enough I don't, I don't think I wouldn't it, like the chances of my ulna you know really uh, yeah did. so it was just a little green stick fracture and that was, I think, I must have been a little bit older then, so I must have been about 12 then, because I started senior school, secondary school, with a broken arm from from wow. a full cast. Um, and when you, so when you started, were you just starting it because you were a kid, or was that I really was just, driving? I think it was just a kid. I was just a kid. I enjoyed it. Um, and then I, I was sort of, there was points where I was like, oh, I don't know if I really enjoyed it. But my mum actually was the one who said, like, oh, just give it another go. Don't 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 really? give it up just yet. Uh, and I just kept going for a little while after that happened I think I had a lot of support from my sensei at the time and he uh, yeah so he would he would like kind of give and who me was it, who was this who was your sensei uh, Pete uh, sensei Pete I think his name is I can't remember his second it's, Pete it's, Jones I think Pete, yeah it's, I'll tell you what it's brutal when they start you, young you may know being a martial arts man and knowing most people in martial arts yeah. you may know one of his instructors a guy called Ronald Holt Oh, yeah, I know that name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hanshi Ronald, Ronald Holt, probably he done like Aikijitsu, Aikido, Samurai stuff. I, I tell you what, there's a ton of ton of guys, especially... Iido. Iido, man, yeah. I tell you something. I actually went to, I went to, it was a London Open, mm. and there was guys doing katas, and this was back in the day when you did a kata. Yeah. Nowadays, it's just a soundtrack, you know what yeah. I mean, and a bit yeah. of gymnastics. Everyone was doing, there was some real cool stuff there, and then this guy turned up in a hakama. Yeah. And he was doing Aido, and he just went, got up, threw the sword, did one cut, and put it back in. Yeah. And I was like, is that it? <laughs> but then I didn't realise it was like if I'd have understood. The, it's the precision, the the thought, the mindfulness that goes into that one cut. That you see, this was I, it. It was wasted on me. I, I did because I, I mean, after this, I went into I, I took a little hiatus from karate, and then I found jiu-jitsu. Now it wasn't Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I started. It was Japanese jiu-jitsu. Yeah. 
uh, with Nick, with Nick Brooks and uh, Barry Hart. Right. Uh, which, which is someone you probably know yeah, yeah. as well. Um, so it was Nick and Barry who I started with. And we used to do a lot of seminars and stuff like that. And then going back to the Aido, we actually used to go to uh, Ishinru Shochu Gaiko sem- seminars, the yeah. big sort of like multi-style seminar. And we, we'd go there and there was people teaching Aido there. And then what we would do, we would... Uh, I, I've done maybe one or two and I thought it was incredible I thought it was amazing like just just thought of just the, the draw and everything like that and actually now later on in life um, after I mean I'm, I'm a Buddhist as well and I've been practicing same here Buddhist. man yeah it's cool yeah, right so do been, no harm yeah. take no shit that's yeah. it that's the way you live your life <laughs> that's, that's right so um, I have been studying Buddhism for about maybe two three years now maybe more um, I'm practicing try to practice as best I can daily and, and practice um you know the eightfold path and, it's, and it's, hard, it's hard to meditation. walk the eightfold path man oh it's so in, in the western world especially oh for sure for sure because everything we're, we're conditioned to be completely the opposite that's human nature right that's yeah. the whole idea of samsara is that it's so difficult to actually get, get yourself out of it you know it's 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 just you know like the first sort of precept is to not to kill and you know it's to, to even take that you take that first precept but everything you do you may walk on an ant you, you, you can you know there's one thing I saw I struggle with with eating meat. Yeah. Well, this is it. It, it. Yeah, I try and reconcile it with the fact that no, you know, it's all part. You didn't of, kill it. Yeah. It wasn't killed for you. It's killed for profit. Yeah. This sort of stuff. And it was, the only reason it was created was mm. yeah, and it's yeah. the old circle of life. You know, I know that sounds like yeah. Elton John's song, but, yeah. it's, but it's the truth, right? Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, so going from there, then uh, I now I really appreciate Eido for what it is of just a, a very good way of, of mindfulness and a very good way of just focusing your mind, um, and I think that also you can take that into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as well yeah um, when you're sparring like you, you can really get into a good sort of state of mind uh, and then also you know like trying to practice and and you know notice and observe parts of Buddhism and and Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, it works really well. You you've you, you hit the nail on the head. It's one thing that John John Will said to me years ago. And John, like, I, I, have you ever met John? Mm-mm. You're gonna yeah. He's one of the original Dirty Dozen. He's like yeah. the father of like Australian Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Oh, but he's very very smart in everything he does. He's yeah. probably one of the smartest men I know. Yeah. And he said it's the ultimate. It's the it's the nearest thing you can get in martial arts. He says mm. to Buddhism because you can't live in the past you can't live in the future yeah. you can only be in the now yeah and he goes and then what you have to remember is it's the past and the future that actually inform and dictate what you're going to do in the now yeah and it's like as soon as you start saying it my head started like swelling <laughs> up you know because yeah. i couldn't get my head around it yeah you have to you have to be in the moment you really do and there's no win or lose no exactly that's it um that's that's one thing i think is quite incredible from it as well uh, and then going through from those seminars in in um the Ishinru place in Shoshu, Shoshu Gaiku. That's where I met Joao Santos through Nick as well, Nick knew Joao. Yeah. Joao Santos is a black belt under Hobbin Gracie. Yeah. First degree black belt under Hobbin Gracie. Uh, at the time he was a blue belt um, he was teaching some Brazilian Jiu Jitsu at this this uh, seminar and that was it famously everybody knows about Nick Nick took the first class yeah he was there on the first day but 
You were there. I was there too. You know what I mean? This is this is the one. <laughs> yeah, that's not Nick rewriting history. No, yeah, no. that's just like you've. Yeah. I was just you were there as I was, well. Uh, yeah, standing by, and I remember the first time I met Roger, going, "Oh shit, it's Roger Gracie." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he was like this, this young kid. I mean, I mean, at the time he must have been about 23, 24 maybe when he opened, maybe twenty two, and just come up to, "Hey guys, welcome to the academy." He had like a paintbrush in one hand, just painting, yeah, painting yeah. the wall. He's like, "Oh, we were unsure whether the academy was actually." open because it didn't look like it I mean there was mats down there was a yeah. cover on it but obviously he's still painting the walls and stuff Dan Strauss mentioned that you know he'd be in there doing Japanese jiu-jitsu yeah. and then you and Nick would be over in the corner and he'd be looking over and wanting to do what you did yeah. and, and uh, this would have been before you met Roger right? Yeah yeah. 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 So what did you do? Did you just get some jewels oh, we, and just drill the ass yeah, out Yeah we, we like I said we met Joel and Joel showed us a few things in a gi but Nick also trained uh, submission wrestling in Cambridge I mean I don't know what year he done it it was in Cambridge University I think it must have been like late night 90s. So we would do little bits of nogi. Now it's really weird because Nick really doesn't do any nogi anymore. Right? Ever. Yeah. <laughs> and he was one of the maybe first he'll do one class a year. But um, wow. But yeah, it, it was all we used to do. Uh, and we had like a little group of guys we used to get together and do submission wrestling during whilst we were doing the um, the Japanese jiu-jitsu. Well, you see, because this is the funny thing. It's like the more I've read about it and the more I've looked into it, it's like you know, like Seymour and guys like again traditional jiu-jitsu and. I had I was living in Germany uh, I went to Germany in 93 mm. uh, 92 and I trained with a Japanese jiu-jitsu guy over there Manfred Google Freddie mm. if you're listening wie geht's dir du alter I won't say the rest of it <laughs> you know, I normally have to swear with him but he, was a, he was a really really good guy but he was with like uh, I think he was with Bob Clark okay. Soke Bob Clark from right. over here and he was the first guy I ever met because before I used to see Japanese jiu-jitsu and I think well the striking isn't as good as mm. karate mm. and the groundwork isn't as good as judo but yeah. Yeah, in my ignorance I didn't look at it and go well if you're half good at this and half good at that yeah. and I'm only good at one yeah. you'll just drag me into deep water you bring me into the one area that I'm not yeah. and it, it's funny because now you look at all of the real you know especially at Mill Hill yeah. it's, and you've gone from look at there's a very regimented way of the Japanese mm. Jiu-Jitsu's talking. Yeah. And then there's a very freewheeling way. Yeah. So what was it like to go from one extreme to the other? Well, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's hard to say, really. I mean, like, we were, as a Japanese Jiu-Jitsu club, we obviously had our, you know, it was very regimented, like you say, like you'd bow before you go into the dojo, you bow before you go on the mat, and you bow for your instructors. But Nick was always, never. he was never really, like overly comfortable with everyone bowing and stuff like that mm. um, and then you know Nick and Barry just went their separate ways after a little while and Barry wanted to do more JKD Carly stuff yeah. um, which he did and he's doing really well at yeah. uh, and Nick wanted to do more Brazilian Jiu Jitsu stuff and they sort of just went cool amicably and just sort of just left so I stayed with Nick because I really enjoyed doing the grappling yeah I really enjoyed doing that so I, I, I stayed and from that it just kind of went it, we, we kind of Teetered around a little bit with the bowing and that, and then it just kind of went out, oh, you know. Yeah, yeah. It, whatever. Because I remember, I remember years ago. You know, you, you had Anoida Sensei and you had like Shirai mm. and Keiza and guys like that, and these are mm. like legends in Japanese mm. Japanese karate. Mm. And then obviously, you know, guys like Terry O'Neill and all the big names up in Liverpool, they got yeah. it, and then Tiki Donovan. And, yeah. And that just because the art is indigenous, as uh, yeah, I've often said, basketball was created where? Do you know? 
No, I don't. South America, they right. reckon, right? Okay. So, but you don't go to South America to, to learn, learn how to play basketball. Yeah. You know, you go yeah. to Harlem, you go, yeah. to, you go to Toxteth, or yeah. you go, you know, well, once like, it moves, it mm. has to take on a cultural identity of its own. And I think that's why England's really doing well with Brazilian jiu-jitsu because mm. it's dovetailed well into the British sensibility of wanting to have a bit of a rook. Yeah. But at the same time, there's a little bit of the. There's still. It's quite self-governing at the moment. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think it is. I think it is. Well, you can see that with all the stuff online when you see you know like the jiu-jitsu police and stuff like that yeah it, it, re- it really is a community that looks after itself and and it will it kind of forks out anyone who's not yeah, but there's i don't i don't think there's any at the moment there's still there's still a real honesty with it oh for sure everyone everyone talks about there's going to be a dilution what's your views uh on a dilution of it i don't i can't see it you know, like it, it take will take a long time. I think, like you say, to like for it to really get diluted down. But I don't, I can't see it over here. In America, it's more from what I hear. I mean, I haven't really experienced it, but from what I hear, um, you can hear that you know there's a little bit of a dilution within like your, your whites and blue belts and stuff. I mean, I remember when when I started, like a blue belt was incredible. It was next level. You can't even think about getting a blue belt. I remember I was 18, uh, maybe 19. 19 maybe 20 first time I went to the Europeans which I noticed this year I went to the Europeans this year and yes. I went, this is the first time I've competed here in 11 years wow um, I remember saying to Nick like uh, I think my, my goal my realistic goal was by the time I'm 30 to be a brown belt that was in my head I was like to be a brown belt you, you, you've got to do a good sort of 10 years and I, and, I, and I had that in my head I knew it was going to take me a long time to get to where I am and here I am 11 years and I've got a first degree on a black belt yeah so but, yeah but how many hours this but, is the but this is how it. many hours were you putting in oh like there was there was times where I was you know sometimes now I mean I'm not training as much as I'd like to I've got family and you know you have your other commitments but when I was younger I was able to train sometimes five six days a week every how day hour, how many hours oh, hour and a half two hours to three hours a day or something like that um, when I was working I was lucky enough to be working at the academy teaching for a little while again because not a lot of not a lot of responsibilities so yeah. it's like well okay I can I can kind of do this for a little bit so I was teaching there and taking a few classes which was great as well and sort of living at home which helped yeah yeah always <laughs> so, does yeah, always but does. Um, uh, yeah so no, I was I was training a lot then doing it was only when really Mill Hill became a um, sort of full-time academy which was about five six years ago maybe yeah I met Andy Marshall as a villain strength coach yeah yeah uh, and I started doing strength and conditioning and that was when it got a bit more serious with competition stuff around purple belt time purple brown yeah Uh, and now it's kind of tailed off again I only I don't really compete do you you think you'll ever want to do it again I I never say never I mean I've, I've done the Europeans this year because I hadn't competed before this year I hadn't competed about three years wow yeah about three years um, I think the last IBJJF competition I'd done before this was uh, the European Nogi when I was a brown belt and and I hadn't really competed much at black well hadn't competed at all really at black belt so I just thought I'd, you know it'd be nice to give it a go uh, lucky enough I had some students who wanted to sponsor me so I took the opportunity I went 
perfect had, had fun I walked out of Henzo Gracie's on my 40th birthday yeah and I was like I'm going to be a black belt by the time I'm 50 yeah. and it's took me six years to get to a three strike blue belt you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, like, but having said that you know, I dodged it again for maybe about two years mm. just because it scared the hell out of me yeah. Jiu Jitsu did it scared, it scared mm. me and mm. the geese scared me even more yeah and yeah not only that I've picked probably the hardest place in the world to get graded <laughs> which is like Neil Simkin you know because yeah, yeah. he's first thing he said to me was I don't have a blue belt who hasn't won the British Open and I was thinking yeah. I'm not I was like I was pretty shit karate and then my Jiu Jitsu is worse you know what I mean uh, but like no he, he managed to get me through but those goals with Jiu Jitsu especially it's very hard earned mm. wisdom yeah. and I can't see anyone any anytime soon yeah and you know yourself there's guys where you turn around and go he's a nice guy but maybe you know yeah. his game isn't strong you know? yeah. and, and there's still yeah. it's that sort of vernacular that's used no one really yeah, mm. unless you're a real douchebag yeah no one's going to say anything too bad are mm. they but, but your, your game might be might not be strong in one thing but then in another thing it might be very strong well you see that but that's the same with every new belt yeah. you have a strong part and you think okay there you go this guy's got a very strong guard game he needs work on the other stuff you know and he's getting better in this other stuff he or she sorry he or yeah. she are getting better at any, any of this other stuff um I've only ever given out one belt as a, as a black belt. Um, but, you know, for, with talking to Nick, I discussed with Nick a lot of the gradings and uh, and the other instructors at Mill Hill. Um, we always discuss a lot of things. And a lot of times I think that if you go, okay, we'll give them their purple belt, they will they normally rise up to the belt and they normally start to go oh shit you know I'm a belt right now I've really got to start working on escaping yeah well you see this is you've hit, you've hit, you have hit the, the head on the head it was like a friend of mine he's a dear friend of mine so I won't mention his name mm. but there was a picture when I got my blue belt where I got whipped and he was like it brought tears to my eyes I was really upset I was thinking yeah it brought tears to my eyes too. <laughs> and uh, you know I, without, I don't like the, the machismo and all that nonsense mm. but there's a point where you go no do you know what actually it, that has to mean something Yeah. and I remember when I got it I was like alright okay I didn't I didn't retreat back into a, my strongest part no. of my game no. but I just thought do you know what now I have to defend the belt mm-hmm. yeah. and, and, it, and I believe it yeah you do you know you grow into it you grow yeah. into it and I think I really think there's I don't know like some people don't like the whipping I don't really yeah. care you know if they yeah if these guys are training hard I, I think in, in my view with the whipping I think that if if you if if you're going to take part in it fine then you have to accept that you're going to be whipped as well yeah yeah but if you decide like okay it's not for me I don't want to be whipped and you don't whip other people fine then that's cool that's it that's it now that's a Buddhist mentality yeah. right there isn't it that's a Buddhist mentality yeah I don't think you should you should just be whipping people and they go oh yeah no not me well, yeah well that's it it's like, it's like the guy it's the guy in the pub punching somebody and then when he gets punched back he's like oh I don't want to fight yeah yeah no no you got yourself in there yeah so what what motivates you to train then today uh, I just enjoy it I yeah. really do I just enjoy being on the mat and training um, I just I, I, I want just honestly I just want to be doing this until I'm 60 70 I want to be doing it for the rest of my life so for me every time I get on the mat I just enjoy myself yeah uh, and I don't think of anything else apart from that um, I know a lot of people are like oh I need to have you know I need to go and compete or I need to win this and I need to win that to really motivate myself to train for me it's not I, I, as long as I'm there also I use it as a way of just being able to 
kind of release myself from the day's stresses yeah life stresses I think is one of the best antidepressants out there I think it's incredible you know this thing I say, I say this a lot if you come train with me it's Prozac and Type Adderall because <laughs> I get you to kick out you know you, you know, serotonin levels go through the roof yeah. the endorphins get released you come out you feel great it's like the you know mm-hmm. it's that, like the Henzo Gracie line isn't it you mm-hmm. never feel more alive than when you're nearly dead yeah but then when you come out and, you, and everyone's going wow I can't believe I feel so good and I'm thinking yeah. but you're taking a tablet to try and synthesize what your yeah. bro- what you, your body's doing naturally exactly. for you exactly just up the heart rate you know yeah. this is the thing yeah I mean it's similar. I get the same sort of thing from when I'm lifting now as well um, doing a lot because I, I never lifted weights before meeting Andy and now I've right. started lifting weights uh, hence I, actually before I met Andy I was vegetarian uh, and then Andy and Dan came along and then I started eating meat again yeah <laughs> well that, I'll tell you uh, what Dan Strauss is something I, yeah he's, he's definitely a star for the future as I've said before he's got the um, the charisma oh for sure definitely <laughs> and I, the jiu-jitsu skills and the jiu-jitsu. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong well, I, think he, I think he's got everything because yeah. he ticks all the boxes yeah because when I, I said to him I said listen man you're the most famous non-famous person I know mm. and I said you're destined for the top man he goes how do you know and I said because I've got a little bit about me too and mm. you are what I pretend to be yeah. and, that, yeah, and that's the truth you know yeah. what I mean I, yeah, yeah. I, look at, I look at Dan and go I actually work at this and <laughs> you don't this is yeah. you he's like he's, yeah, Dan if you're listening to this I'm still convinced that if we do a DNA test on you Benicio Del Toro and a, and a, a silverback gorilla is somewhere in the mix because like, yeah, right. the guy's like super hairy yeah. like for, for, even in jiu-jitsu terms yeah yeah the, the, I don't know what, what's, your, what's your I know you're rocking a good beard at the moment yeah, now but uh, is, <laughs> like, is the beard jiu-jitsu power is it strong in you or? Uh, uh, I think it's definitely strengthening it's, it's uh, strengthening my lifting uh, I, I, like every time I go to villains I'm always told that beard is awesome <laughs> <laughs> And that always gives me a pick-up, and then I go and pick up some weight, so that's cool. Yeah. Um, is the strength and conditioning just to, is it to walk It was, honestly, it was, originally, it was just to improve my uh, uh, my conditioning on the mat. Right. When I first met Andy, uh, met Andy Marshall, first time I met him, he broke my rib. <laughs> really? Yeah. How? True story. Uh, we were sparring, he was about 80... I think he was about 83 kilos then he's 110 now but he was about 83 then and uh, I was rolling with him first time I ever rolled with him was a white belt I was a purple belt at the time I'd just got back from the Mondials as well so I was like light I was was, I used to fight a light feather so I used to be under 64 wow I'm I'm featherweight now so I used to when I weighed in I would always weigh I was really nervous I still am really nervous before I, I compete so I would weigh in really light so I used to weigh in about I think, he's, I think I used to weigh about 59.8 when I... When That's I a lot of weight to give away, oh, though, for just sure. on the mat. For sure, I mean, like, I'm, I, I, that was like, you know, in, in my underwear or butt naked, that was... I was about 59.8. When I stepped on the scales, I like a kilo and a half of the... Yeah, with the, the gi, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, this time, when I went... I fought featherweight, but that's because I was like, oh, man, I'm just doing this for fun. I'm not yeah, going to yeah, cut yeah. weight. <laughs> how, did, how did you find it? Uh, do you know what? I felt I didn't feel like I was out. Like my strength was fine. I didn't feel like it was. They were. I was really out. Uh, out strength. Um, I felt okay. My like I've been working a lot of takedowns with uh, Will Silview, who's our wrestling coach, but also with Dave Anuma. Yeah, D- Dave. Dave. I mean, Dave's awesome, man. Incredible. Yeah. Like his, now that's a guy I want to get on the podcast because that guy's oh. got a story. <laughs> oh man, that guy. Hey? You speak to that guy, it will take you two hours, man. Well, he's, so, he's got Dave's. Dave's one of the most high functioning 
blossoming men I know yeah. in any sphere and he's just lightning fast six yeah. times yeah. Six, time, six time European champion yeah. now yeah. as well six times European champion and, and another driven individual ah incredible and the, the one thing his I, mentality is amazing yeah well. like his visualisations about everything that he's like and what he says is very positive guy yeah great guy yeah he's, great he's, guy. He's, Dave, Dave's awesome yeah I don't know what, what how old's Dave now 40 what 46 well, he fought Master 4 right so I think he's yeah 46 46 and you look at him and you just go so that's like the epitome of what a 46 year old yeah. man would be yeah yeah. That, that's how I, and I, yeah. I'm not buttering him up that's just the truth because yeah. you know he inspires me yeah. and he's so well read he's a lawyer he yeah. does stand up comedy yeah. you know do, you know that guy will do anything he's got he, it all he, he doesn't really care does. yeah, if you don't mind me saying just when you mentioned Dave because Dave's got his own thing going on with CFS yeah. but he still comes in and he's part of Mill Hill you yeah. know he's managed yeah. to be able him to him and Nick could go, go way back way way back so yeah. they're really good friends and Nick has zero politics when it comes yeah, he to he just doesn't care does he doesn't he? care anyone can come and train from anywhere and that's the way I kind of I within Jiu Jitsu that's the way I am I've always been it's like I don't care where you're from if you want to come and train come train with us it's supposed, it, yeah, it's supposed to be the great leveller mm. and then so many people don't have it you know mm. that this sort of situation where it's like there's always going to be a team aspect oh yeah there's always there, is, there can be a team aspect but there can also be a community as well and if, if, if we want Jiu Jitsu to really do well in this country I really think you need that community to help bring everyone up definitely you know? definitely and that's why it's great when you have these open mats now you have you know these women only open mats and you have these under 60 under 70 kilo open mats and you sometimes get the, the bigger guys get open mats yeah. as well, where anyone can come and train and it's great because we have these open mats and you come and train and you can learn off each other and there's nothing there's no ego that's why it's you know what it's summarized that's why it's great when you have these big international competitions because it even the people who are sort of like think oh maybe I don't I feel a bit off training these they will get swayed by but you know we're a British team I, I look at it and even though yeah, I'm part of it I still try and have an objective look at yeah. this at the moment it's doing really well and especially a lot of the Brazilian guys came over and they're like this is brilliant and you go but you're just hitting the demographic of the 16 to 38 year old male you know once we start getting women and kids and older people involved for sure as a lifestyle as a vehicle vehicle for personal development Mm -hmm. you know you've got to find that right yeah definitely you see this is what I'm going to get I have to say this we were at villain strength and conditioning yeah. and there was a picture of a mutual hero yeah. of ours on yeah. the wall right Henry, Henry Rollins <laughs> and so I think you're one of the smartest guys I've met really you you understand where jiu-jitsu fits into your life yeah but then the Buddhism versus like this nihilistic yeah sort of outlook that Henry Rollins had yeah but the I don't know about you but I look at Henry Rollins I get inspired by him he's oh, a, sure. you, you know he's incredible yeah so tell me he can, he can he'll light a fire under anyone to make you do whatever it is you need to do you ever read Mr. Pepperman I have read it the, yeah. the, the iron yeah yeah. yeah. Uh, that, I've read that I say maybe maybe five times yeah <laughs> whenever yeah. you sort of feel like oh, you know I really can't be bothered to go to the gym I really can't be bothered to do X, Y and Z you read that and you go Shh, you can do because he's, you can he, do whatever <laughs> some people look at it and they think that he's got full of existential and existentialist angst and stuff mm. and I don't I see him as being like really positive but just understanding what is really shit yeah. what is awful in life yeah. ignoring that and saying do you yeah. know what you just don't have to put up with that no for sure and that was it so what, what drew you to his 
music? Was it his music? Was uh, writing? Uh, or um, with with Henry Rollins, uh, I mean, I sort of discovered him through music because I'm a big hardcore kid. Like uh, I, I grew up listening to hardcore music and 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 punk rock music when I was at school. Right. Um, I mean, it started came from metal. I used to listen to a lot of metal, and then got, as I got older, more into hardcore and stuff. Um, so I listened to I listened to Black Flag, which was his band. That yeah, and um, we yeah. So from there, I, I listened to him. I listened to Black Flag and read a little bit on on there, and then listened to a lot of his spoken word stuff, which was mind blowing. Yeah, in, insane. And I, I watched. I think the thing that drew me first of all was a, a documentary called American Hardcore. Yeah, which is about the, yeah, the American yeah. hardcore scene. About the scene, yeah. Yeah, and he's just so charismatic in that. Where he's like, he's talking about like where. We're, we're at gigs and, and you know just just like laying into people and stuff like that but the way he, the way he articulates is incredible and I listened to a lot of podcasts that he was on like there's stuff like where he's talking about you know why he doesn't drink you know or why he doesn't do this uh, you know like just sees like is it like drinking as a colossal waste of time and stuff like that yeah. and I just thought like that's an interesting concept I mean I, I don't I, I drink but I don't really drink you know yeah. like a lot and when I was growing up I didn't actually when I started doing jiu jitsu I didn't really drink at all like when I was about 18 around the, the years where you should be drinking a lot and going yeah. out and having fun and stuff like that didn't I used to go and train and not cool. drink and stuff like that so with with Rollins ironically I saw him I think I told you I saw him at the Hummingbird yeah. back in 93 yeah and he was actually supporting uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers oh, but this was back in the days where you know it was Rollins, Rollins band yeah, yeah Rollins yeah. band and like he came out and, he, and like literally the shirt comes off this guy is in awesome shape yeah. <laughs> and he is just like and he is putting it to everybody yeah. I, I've always said if you if you imagine a real badass Tony Robbins yeah. that's what that's yeah. what Henry Rollins is yeah. Yeah. yeah because yeah Tony Tony Robbins will come out and be here now and he gives you the old fuzzy was he come by up yeah and Henry Rollins coming out and said, "Listen, yeah, yeah, pick your, yeah, yeah up your game, yeah, yeah, yeah like, get your shit know, together, let's get your go shit together and let's but, do it." But ironically, I was out of my face drunk. Quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, come on, it was the nineties; I could get away with it. <laughs> but when you look at when you look at Rollins and you look at you know the you know your jujitsu, mm. is this all just like little component parts? It like there's no master plan behind no. the life of Chris Hearn, is there? No, not really. But it's, it's just the way that it's all come together. You know, like, life, kind of, life is what it is, you know. It's it, you know, it's can can you just want to try and live it the best way you can. Yeah, I honestly think, well, being Buddhist as well, I think I'll say you, you have to live in the moment. So you have to live in the now, right? So it's not, and that's not easy to do, and it's not easy to really take into concept either, really. So it's not that you know you don't have an end goal but you just kind of you kind of accept what's coming so you know whatever comes it comes and then it goes and at the end of the day jiu-jitsu is just jiu-jitsu it, it is a real leveller mm. because I've gone and you, you know you get a bricklayer rolling with a guy who's a surgeon you know like right. Enzo Gracie's is the one you go there at 7 o'clock on a, on a Monday lawyers. morning and you've got lawyers and you've got like Wall Street right. guys yeah. that could buy like, like literally they can buy anybody and they're getting ground out by some dude who's going to work on the Subway. I used to roll with Herman Lee from uh, Dragon Force. Right. He used to come down and train at Rogers, and he came down and trained us a few times at Mill Hill. I used to train with him because he's a little guy, and I'm a little guy, so yeah. You know, he's he, you know he's on tour like all the time. Dragon Force is a huge band. They were on Guitar Hero for God's sake. Yeah. You know they're incredible. He's an incredible guitarist. Played with Steve Vai. Wow. Um, 
on the mat doesn't matter no and do you play do you play I play a little bit of guitar not a lot no I wish I did I play more bass I used to play in a punk rock band uh, well, my son my son Charlie my, uh, you'd love Charlie Charlie's a very very uh, he's very very idealistic young man and I really admire him he's one of the smartest people I know mm-hmm. yeah, yeah but he's a bass guitarist as well yeah. and what he says about bass guitarists he says I'm the backbone I keep it all together but I can still just stay as an enigma yeah interesting <laughs> yeah because nobody really will pay attention to me unless I really want to I, yeah? I only like playing bass because it's got four strings really is that <laughs> yeah. the reason yeah well one of the reasons I, think, I used to play guitar and then I was like oh, I'll play bass because it's got four strings and what, what what else interests you apart from having the greatest movie collection in the world uh, well I like I do like movies so we'll sit I do sit and watch movies but no I, I play guitar I play, uh, play a bit of bass but mainly I, mean, I do jiu-jitsu that's, that's what I do pretty much that's it yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, so where did the name the rubber bandido come from uh, okay yeah that's I, I wish there was a really really big complex story over this but there really isn't uh, I, I, do you want me to make one up or? no 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 just tell, tell the uh, truth we were just sitting around one day and it was uh Oh, these yeah, you know, you're going to be called the rubber bandito, like a rubber band, but only you're not really flexible, so it's quite, quite. <laughs> so that was it. That was it. That was it. That was it. And that was it. And it stuck. Out of everything I've ever had, I used to be called Casper at one point in, when I was in uh, Portugal because I shaved my head and I was really white like a ghost. So they right. Casper. I was called Camarão for a little bit. Camarão is um, Portuguese for shrimp because I'm small, but also well, Nick used to call me Camarão because I was sh- shrimp like small yeah, thing. yeah but actually in Brazil and in Portugal if you call someone camarão it means that they are that they get sunburned very easily so they turn red like a like a lobster like right? a lobster, yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah like a shrimp Braulio just calls me Mr. Tuli that's what yeah. he ever calls me but uh, I tried to get him to call me I can't remember it small donkey so basically donkey. that's why I sent it just do you, uh, do you know no, that? I'm going to try and think of what it is it's something Zinho yeah yes yes uh, what, what's donkey in Barro, Barinho, 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 or something. Oh no, no, I'm liking the accent. Possibly. Here. What? What's I what? what Portuguese for a little bit. That was another thing. Really? Yeah. What's <laughs> I mean, What's your uh, What's your favourite swear word in Portuguese? Yes. Uh, uh, this one's for Joao then, if he's uh, if he's listening, which is filho um, uh, filho da puta punlado do caralho. Do you know what? Filho da puta caralho. That's that's my that's that's uh, probably our steamers. Yeah. Well, filho da puta punlado do caralho. But I don't really want to say it in English. No, but no, it's people, bad. people can people can work can, it out. Can work it out. That was for Joao anyway. Right. <laughs> so who are your heroes? In jiu-jitsu or in, in life? In life. Um, Henry Rollins is, is is up there definitely for sure. Um, heroes in life. Uh, I don't know. I think I think you put a lot in heroes, don't you? And you kind of put a lot into people. If you put too much into them, then you. Yeah, in the end, I think they'll disappoint because you you expect too much of people and people and they're, and they're human. Yeah, and they're human. So you know, I admire Henry Rollins a lot. I don't know if he really is a, like a hero. Yeah, he. I really admire him a lot. I think he's incredible. Uh, man, like Chomsky, Zinn, you know, Howard Zinn stuff is incredible. Wow, really Chomsky, Chomsky, Charlie, Charlie. If you're listening to my son, my son Charlie, Chomsky. Yeah, yeah. loves him. Loves Chomsky, him. Yeah, uh, Zinn with some guys that I used to read a lot of stuff um, uh, just people um, anyone that can inspire you you know I mean I, I, there's a, a couple of Buddhist guys that I, I listen to I think are really really cool Noah, Noah actually Noah Levine's very cool 
very cool guy. Jiu-jitsu, Mauricio. Mauricio. Yes. His, 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 the way he treats jiu-jitsu is amazing. De La Iva in jiu-jitsu. Yes. A very, very humble guy. G- very absolute guy. gentleman, yeah. yeah a, gentleman. A, a, amazing guy. Um, and Mauricio. Obviously. Mauricio, uh, man, like, I've, I've had the pleasure to speak with Mauricio a fair few times and he's, he's so down to earth with jiu-jitsu. Do you, do, do you, one thing I don't know, obviously with the newer generation coming through, I don't think they really have an idea of like that guy's, you know, his his input. Hmm. And basically, you know, without UK, you know, th- this is the thing. Well, you know, we've been talking about Buddhism, talking about some cool stuff, and Chris is like, awesome. But he, you, you were ideally placed at the start, really. When you know, if we well, did, for, with Roger, yeah, yeah, in, in the UK especially. Yeah. But then there was way before me. There was Mauricio, and you had Jude. Yeah, and you know, Rick Chris, Young. Rick Young. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but the thing is, that if you look at it now, Mark Walder, Mark Walder, Mark Walder, another awesome guy. Yeah. Uh, it, but if you look at it, and like this younger generation coming through, do you think they they understood? You know, when Maurizio was there and he was at the custard factory, and you know, like, <laughs> you ever train there? No, I didn't. Well, oh, oh, my toilet, an absolute here, yeah. toilet. Uh, yeah. Asif is a guy I train with now. I used to train with a lot back in the day, and he would always tell me about the days of the custard factory. Yeah, the custard factory <laughs> were pretty pretty awful. You know. Mark, Mark Walder used to come up yeah. and he'd train and then he'd go back and mm. uh, you, know, I, you know I don't know what he thought when he walked mm. into Birmingham for the first time but, but having said that it was like I remember I remember Maurizio and Roger when they first came over and it yeah. was like yeah and I know it sounds cliched it's the old Hicks and Gracie I yeah. couldn't give away I couldn't give away privates yeah and it wasn't that far but it wasn't fa- that far wrong because it scared the shit out of people because yeah, yeah. there was established martial artists went into jiu-jitsu yeah. and they, they just got tra- I still get tranced now yeah. you yeah. get you get a hungry white belt man and you don't you don't have your wits around yeah. you that's it he's gonna have you it's a real ego check right yeah definitely definitely you really have to accept that you're gonna get tapped out yeah hey, whatever belt you are whoever you are at some point you, you on your own mat you're gonna get tapped don't mind me asking you know when you when you got the black belt so that's yeah. it like it's huge right it's a big day right yeah so you get you get your black belt right and then the first time you roll and you get tapped <laughs> what was it like uh, probably a couple of minutes after I got my really? belt, probably I can't yeah? I don't know if I sparred on the day I got my black belt I'm pretty sure I remember I might have been Dan who I sparred with the first time really uh, after my black belt it may have been I think it was Dan it's either Dan or maybe Sophie right probably Dan though uh, and uh, if it's Dan I got tapped 100 yeah. times <laughs> yeah Dan's a different Dan's a different a totally different level man mm. I cannot believe that we've done we haven't talked about Neil Gaiman yeah. we haven't talked anything about Kevin Smith so I'm going to get you on this one your favourite comic book favourite comic book oh you, you how do you do this to me I'm favorite sorry man book. putting you on the spot here um, it's like asking you for right, your I love technique right exactly yeah. um Okay, my favourite like comic book series is Spider Man because I relate a lot with Spider Man. So I'm gonna go with um, I'm gonna go with uh, maybe Craven's Last Stand or or Maximum Carnage. That was really good as well. Uh, why, do, why do you why do you why uh, do you? 
identify? Is well, it Peter Parker? Or it's Peter it Parker more yeah, than right. anything, yeah. Because when I was at school, you I, like I had friends at school, and I'm still friends with them now. But before then, I was a bit kind of geeky and and, and a bit of a loner. Yeah, and I didn't really have a lot of friends. So with, with Spider Man, I think I, I kind of relate with that. And I think it's a brilliant romantic story. The whole Gwen Stacy story, I thought. Was yeah, incredible. yeah. I, I loved it, and it yeah. it really is a real tragedy that bit. Yeah. Um. So I think that's you know that's lovely. It's got some serious um, pathos. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, uh, American comic books were unbelievable. This is a. I'm going to interject here on this one. We're now of an. I'm older than you, obviously. Hmm. But we we never we never capitalised on the geeky chic thing. No. No. Yeah. You because know, no. now if yeah. you're a geek, you're cool. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. 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 If you yeah. if you look at these cosplay girls and mm. you're like, do you get paid to be a cosplay girl? <laughs> no. I'm I'm into cosplay, and you're like, but you look like a supermodel. Yeah. All right. Well, well how did I miss out? Yeah. On we that didn't one? have that when we were growing yeah. up. And the and the other one when you were reading comics, it 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 sort of evoked a more. Mm. It, it was just. America was exciting. Mm. I remember growing up in America. I, yeah, literally, yeah, you know, 16, 17, once I started getting into rap, I realised that, you know, South Central and Compton were, it wasn't exactly the Sharks and the Jets mm. and mm. West Side Story. Yeah. But it was still cooler. Yeah. Like, even gang culture mm. is cool over there. Yeah. You know I what I mean? I always remember going to myself, like, watching Back to the Future and being like, oh, yeah, no, the hoverboards exist. They exist, but they're just in America. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And that's the thing. And now look what we've got. You and know? now you're like, well, <laughs> you look at 2015, and now they do. Now they, they do, do. but they've yeah. got wheels. Like, we don't have flying cars. We don't have flying DeLoreans. We have electric cigarettes. Yeah, we have electric cigarettes. Man, we've got uh, self-tying laces now. I, 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 I really wanted to. I'm, I'm going to buy. I'm going to buy a pair, but they're like so expensive. Oh, no, they're they? like seven, eight hundred dollars. I can't deal with that. But <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Right yeah, they'd be just sitting there going like, oh, really? I don't uh, know yeah. if I'd wear them out. I'd probably just wear them around. Yeah, I tell house. you what, I, I ha- actually have a pair. I have a pair of Box Fresh trainers. Um, from the House of Pain Adidas yeah. fine mark lyrics mm. too scared to put them on my feet mm. honestly I'm, I'm I'm like the collector out of uh, Simpsons <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, it's no longer a collectible <laughs> right. which leads me on to another geeky thing yeah Kevin Smith Kevin Smith you love it right I love you so yeah. what my favourite film is Chaser Gaming Oh, one of my favourite films of all time. I've watched that film so many times. I love it. It's beautiful. But I, the, I, the whole thing behind it, I, I, it's very, very nineties. When you look yeah. back on it now, oh, yeah. I'm so geeky as well. Yeah, it's very. <laughs> I, I, well, I love Hooper X. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Black Rage. Black Rage. <laughs> you see him? No. He the man. <laughs> Don't trust Whitey. No, but it, he turned everything like Jane Silent Bob. Yeah, when yeah. when people they think about Kevin Smith, they think about Clerks. Yeah, Dogma. But there's a lot. But there's a lot more. Mm. Than, yeah, and that guy really un- he understands his medium. Yeah, yeah, because there's oh, yeah. there's jokes in there that if you've never been in a comic shop, yeah, you wouldn't. Yeah, they'll be funny, but yeah. it's nowhere near yeah. as funny. Well, clerks is inc- I used to work in uh, as a not as like a store clerk, but at a garden centre in uh, in Mill Hill. So you what the stuff that he would say in Clerks, you'd look at it and go, well, actually. That's and even though it was sort of before my time almost, I think it was the nine, yeah, yeah, nineties, yeah. You know, and I, at that time, early nineties, I was uh, six, eight, 
six six going. Wow. Was it born in eighty four? Jeez. Uh, well, do you know what Dan Dan Strauss killed born me. in ninety two, right? Yeah. <laughs> Dan Strauss <laughs> still we were, kills me now. But like. we were talk, we were talking about. Uh, I can't remember if it was training or something. And I asked him how old. I said, "How old are you?" In eighty nine. Mm. Anyway, I wasn't born, and it killed me <laughs> because uh, yeah, because I'm forty seven. I'm forty seven, but I I literally feel may I. I feel better mm. than when I was in my 20s yeah. but that's only because I think I, I, I feel I don't want to use t- the term enlightened yeah. but I feel a little bit more at peace with myself yeah, yeah. I'm happier with yeah, it you know yeah. what I mean so you you feel more sort of rejuvenated almost yeah yeah definitely know, definitely. so with with the Kevin Smith and this is my last question and <laughs> Aunt McGinley you're going to have to tie this all together to make it work out I'm sorry no 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 no, no, no because it's me going off on the tangent thinking all the cool stuff right Got the Kevin Smith. We got the American comics, right? Yeah. What got you into ice hockey? Because we talked. Oh about yeah, this. we spoke about ice yeah. hockey, didn't we? Uh, Kevin Smith probably got me originally into ice hockey because he's big into. Yeah, he, he was is. Into Oilers, right? Yeah. Uh, he's a big Oilers fan. He was from New Jersey, so he was there. He always used to say like he was brought up a Devils fan, and then when he met, he heard about Gretzky, he became an Oilers fan. Fair enough. I um, I saw Gretzky play live. Oh, you! I thought I, I, thought I told you this. No. I don't well this will this will really upset you like Dan Strauss if you're listening Dan you were still in nappies at the time (laughs) Uh, I saw uh, Canada play Oh, yeah. Germany okay at the Schleierhalle yeah. wow yeah and it completely lost it on me I think Shanahan was playing as well oh wow so you know and Shanahan's one of my favourite players mm. you know he was a tough tough dude but like Gretzky was something else right. you know it, I mean, it, Muhammad Ali at that sport yeah. eh? I mean I love Gretzky he had a great he's just just a, a, a brilliant human being but my favourite hockey player and story wise is uh, Mario Lemieux yeah Mario Lemieux tell me that guy I I, I watched before I started to get into actually no I was sort of I before I, I'm a Leafs fan which is hard for me to admit because they suck but I love the Leafs I've been yeah. a Leafs fan purely because I um I went to a friend of mine and went I'm thinking about getting into hockey and he's like cool I'm from Toronto uh, I, I used to go watch the Leafs all the time I was like cool then I'm going to be a Leafs fan done yeah you know, and then you read a lot of stuff here. people are always a Leafs fan it's like the Yankees yeah. of uh, of, yeah. uh, of NHL but um no, I, uh, I, I, well, while I was getting into the into hockey, I watched a, a series called um, I think it was a, a People's History of Hockey or something. Yeah, like that. Uh, and there was a story of Mario Lemieux on there. Now Mario Lemieux, that guy, he he was well, he was born in Quebec, right? So he's French Canadian, and he no one liked him. None of the fans liked him. He used to come off the 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 ice, and people would spit in his face. Um, was it was he with the Penguins? He was a penguin. Yeah. yeah. Now, this was this was before the penguins. This was when he was in the lower level. Wow. And then he got drafted to penguins. And I think he, I think he is still like second in assist or something under yeah, Gretzky. Yeah, yeah. He nearly like he was very close to Gretzky's um, uh, points. Stats. Yeah. But um, he the the amazing story was that he got back cancer or something like this. 
really badly injured couldn't walk uh, and the doctor's like forget it you're never going to walk again and the doctor's like you're, you're never going to probably like let alone skate again you'll barely be able to walk again after this so he was in there and then he just went through rehab after rehab after rehab and got back on his feet uh, and that year went in and won the Stanley Cup wow and I think that how how incredible story is that now, the, the, now that's getting over adversity isn't it yeah right you see I I love I love hockey as well uh, only because the sport's awesome yeah both my sons played it and you know I, I think I, I told you I, my, my, one of my only things I wanted to do <clears throat> was I wanted to play a game with my son yeah. so I'd never ever been on a pair of skates yeah yeah and at 38 I got on the skates yeah and we played we played a couple of games I sucked I was really really <laughs> bad yeah. yeah I got thrown out I got thrown out for beating up a mascot once at a charity really? game yeah so it was good but uh, it's a again physical honest great sport oh, amazing you know? I, I, um, I was the same I was like uh, maybe it was probably about five, six years. No, maybe about four years ago. I was like, no, I want to play hockey. That's so why I, I like sort of like jujitsu is great, but I think I want to play hockey for a bit yeah. now. So I went and I took skating lessons. I got up to like level five in skating lessons, and I thought, okay, yeah, no, I'm, I'm good enough. I can, I can do this. I can go and play hockey. Uh, and then I was like, I struggling to get the equipment because so much equipment. That you oh, and stuff like that. But then in the end, it just never happened. Like I, I. I the problem with hockey is it's not very popular. No. Right? So that when you when you go and you um, when you go to these places with the ice rink hockey practice is at like 10 o'clock at night or like 11 o'clock at night yeah. and if you've got work the next morning it's, it's just unfeasible it's brutal to, to uh, we, used, we used to do it at 12 o'clock on a Sunday night <sighs> yeah and then what happened was you come off the ice adrenalised yeah you couldn't sleep till 4 yeah and then you, you know, and I'm an, I'm an insomniac yeah. even I need more than 3 hours yeah you know, that was that was me so that killed me yeah but it was it was good I, I think I told you you know Wade Belak yeah, yeah Wade, Wade was a good friend of mine yeah he was yeah. a great guy yeah awesome. but uh, again another example of you know he, he committed suicide for just repeated concussions to the head man. yeah yeah. Uh, that, and, that, and that's again yeah. as you said there's there's a the film's just coming out which looks really interesting it's called Concussion which is about concussion in, in sports which would be an, an interesting one to watch it's got um, Will Smith in it but uh that's about concussion in the NFL, wow. and that's what really kind of brought it uh, brought it forward. I think towards actually seeing it as a problem because in the NFL they use their their head as a weapon, right? Yes. Um, it's the same, you know. In hockey, you don't you don't intentionally now you don't hit. No, you can't go near the head. And if you go into the wall and you're going in head first, forget about you're it. Out. I, I, yeah. I watched the Leafs play the Lightning when I was in uh, Canada a couple of uh, years ago and um, I can't remember who it was we went straight into the into the sides head first uh, and I think he was okay he skated off in the end but they wouldn't let him play anymore and he was no. on the ice for a good 5-10 minutes they stopped the, they stopped that period and added it on to the next no it's not, it's not good so, and this is going to lead me on to the last bit I'm going to ask you about the Jiu Jitsu I <laughs> this is going to upset you MMA guys when you hear me on this one right <laughs> I've seen dumb people take up Jiu Jitsu and get smart Right. and I've seen smart people take up MMA and get dumb okay right so you, you, you've seen that yourself right uh, yeah I mean, in yeah. some respect yeah. yeah you can see see where it is right what's your views on just training in martial arts where we, we already said we already realised it's going to be painful yeah right I, I personally believe that once 
we start seeing the effects of these repeated concussions especially in the lower league MMA yeah when that comes back to haunt us I, yeah, everyone wants to do MMA right now mm. you won't be able to give away a class I don't think, do think? because yeah I think it's because mm. it's it, yeah it's supposed to enrich and have a holistic effect on your life mm-hmm. well, martial arts martial general, arts yeah. for me yeah yeah, because Mill Hill, is there mm. any MMA classes there? No, there's no MMA classes in Mill Hill. Nick wouldn't have MMA classes in Mill Hill. Um, that's his, it does something with Nick, you'd have to ask him about it. Um, personally, if I was to run an academy, I wouldn't want an MMA class either. No. Um, but I think personally, I'd like to run, if I was to run a place, I'd run uh, like a lot like Nick does, just pure jiu-jitsu place and have other things that just hang off of that. So like you could have a wrestling class, you could have yoga and stuff like that. Cause I think it's, they're really nice things that help jiu-jitsu and, and, and help that lifestyle. But um, I think MMA, they have a little bit of a bad rep in that in, in the sense that you get a lot of people who just want to ruck yeah and yeah. just turn up and they just want to beat yeah. each other up and yeah. just do that fine that's what we want to do that's cool but there is such a technical side to MMA as well but I just don't think it gets taught that much no man like people like if you talk to Jude about MMA he'll break her well, down yeah but he is a scientist yeah he really how many is. Jude Samuels are there though exactly that's that, that's exactly. what you gotta remember yeah I, and, and that's my that's what I think that's my biggest issue with it all it's like it's like any any sort of art mm. you know unless you're gonna go you know if you want to you know if, if you want to learn to act you can mm. you know you go to see Lee Strasberg yeah. you go to someone who's following that yeah you don't go and see some dude who's just going to be a method actor you yeah know? exactly I need more than that yeah. you know I think that's the sad thing with MMA is because it is that popular um, that people can and, and there's no real grading system or anything no. like that in MMA. anyone can t- pop up and go oh I teach MMA yeah you know um, the other thing that I think because a lot of people you get a lot of people who do jiu-jitsu or do submission wrestling they're like I want to do MMA I want to get in a cage okay cool but then the, 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 what I always say to those guys are like well the way I've always looked at it is you have one base art so you would do you'd be a jiu-jitsu guy you'd be a Muay Thai guy you'd be a wrestler yeah. but you you hang your stuff off of that yeah? yeah so you train your jiu-jitsu you train your wrestling you train your Muay Thai you train your box in okay you you train them separately as their own separate art and then you would train an MMA class as a way to just amalgamate those to try yes. and make them work into one situation that's the way I, I envision an MMA class yeah um, and that's the sort of way that uh, I remember because Jude used to teach a, like an MMA class at Mill Hill like right. MMA slash wrestling class at Mill Hill a uh, long time ago it was like again like four or five years ago um, and yeah it was like that it was like just taking all the parts and just yeah. trying to string them together and it and it's like again talking you talk to um, David Numa about the way he does his MMA and stuff it, it's it's, it's a yeah, but that's it that's it that's it that's a Jeet Kune Do mentality he's yeah. got and the other one as well with, with Dave Dave is smart enough to realise that not everyone's got his attributes yeah that's what makes him a really good teacher yeah because I know guys who are really good athletes but they can't work out why can't you do this yeah yeah 
you know? Yeah, like, oh, yeah. how, 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 I can do this. Why can't you do this? <laughs> and Dave, Dave isn't like that. That. But do you know what, man? This has been I, honestly, it's it's been one of the most enjoyable podcasts yeah. ever. Oh, no, Chris is a he is a true Renaissance man, and it, yeah, <laughs> and you might you might have heard there. Really interesting. His jujitsu is off the scale. As a person, he's cool. Just to hang out with. So you know, if you're ever in the area, and you are, the Rubber Bandido is going to open up your own place, are you? Well, what are you looking at? who knows? We, we'll see. I'll tell you something. Does I'm going to be down there. Trust me. <laughs> All right, thanks a lot, man. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Awesome. No worries. Good that was good, wasn't it? Eh? Thanks for listening today. We have a brand new show every Friday, and on next week's show, we've got this. No one ever says if you try to make your hobby your job, chances are you're going to do less of it because you're going to spend most of your day running a business, doing marketing, doing accounts, doing your budget dealing with the banks you're going to do you're going to do all the business stuff and not actually the hobby you want exactly and and that so why did you get into it for you can listen to all our interviews on mixedmartialarts.com mixedmartialarts is a paint your headphones production what?